following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. So guys, we're jumping back into the book of Romans. This book is off the chart. It is the book that changed the world, literally. And the reason this book changed the world is because there's been people who read it and it changed them. They were reading through the Bible and they get to this book and they're like, wait a minute, if what this says is true, it changes everything. There have been revivals historically throughout the last 2,000 years that have started because of some of the stuff in this book. And the reason there's been revivals is because it first changed the reader. It changed the person reading it And then it started to change other folks around and then communities and then revivals have broken out because of this book and passages like we're about to read today. We're about to look at a passage that to me is like right smack in the middle. This is a passage that changed my life. This is a section of scripture I'm very passionate about. I would encourage you guys, if any of this is kind of ringing your bell in a way that you're going, wow, this is new or it's a kind of a highlighted area I'm not familiar with, I would encourage you, you can even go online, it's on iTunes and on our website, but the previous couple of messages and where we're going right here, to me is like the grand slam, bam, of life for the believer. It really is. It's like this zone. And Paul knows it. Paul goes from talking about struggling, doing the things I don't want to do and I feel wretched about it and kind of trudging through life like I'm trying hard. As a Christian, I'm trying hard. And so as he's struggling through that, he finally goes from defeat to victory in like 2.0 seconds. And it's because there's a big difference if you want to live life in your own strength or if you want to live life in God's strength. And that's something that some folks have not heard before. You mean my Christianity can be lived in my own strength or in God's strength? Exactly. That's the whole point. That's why this is the grand slam, I think, of the Bible. It lays it wide open how in God's strength you can be victorious. In God's strength you can live the abundant life. But there's people who believe in Jesus but don't really know about this aspect of life in the Holy Spirit. Never really heard it before. And as a result, they just try harder and harder and harder without having the victory. Um, Many of your Bibles put a heading in front of the passage. The original authors didn't put that heading there. This is something that the uh, publishers did. Uh, My NIV calls it life in the Holy Spirit. And I would suggest that that's really, really accurate. Life in the Holy Spirit. Now, when you're reading your Bible and you get to a part about life in the Holy Spirit, you better slow down and go deep because there's some explosive insights. There's some rocks to unturn. There's some discoveries to be made and there's some life to be had. It's an area that's close to my heart because I, for many years, missed this. And uh, talking to Christy, you know, she said her experience being raised in the church too, she missed this, as did all the people in her community, many in the community of faith that she was raised in, missed this. And so it's an area of passion for me because I want more than anything to see you guys walk in the full power of the full gospel, to walk out the fullness of what the living God has for your life And you'll either do it, like me, in our own strength or in the strength of God, in the power of God. And that's why this is so explosive. Before this, we know that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit and then they were waiting a long time for the Holy Spirit and now it's time to take hold 
of the Holy Spirit. And so I would just ask you to prepare your heart this morning, no matter what you do or don't know about the Holy Spirit, that you would get into a place where you're like, God, if this is what your word says, I want to take hold of what you have for me. Because there's a lot of life to be lived on the other side of this. Before this chapter, Romans chapter 8, you can turn there if you have your Bibles with you. Um, Before this chapter, Paul mentioned the Holy Spirit four times in seven full chapters, four times. In this chapter, 14 times in this chapter. Why? Because he's talking about his own struggles and doing the things he doesn't want to do. And then he talks about the victory. He talks about overcoming. He talks about being more than a conqueror. And you can't talk about that stuff if you don't talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, let's start in if we could. We're talking about the Spirit of God and the children of God. And we're looking at Romans 8. We're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16. If you don't have your Bible, this is in the bulletin. You can follow along. Place to take some notes on this. He starts out, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the misdeeds of the body. You will live because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. He starts out saying brothers. And many churches today say brothers and sisters in the house of God, family of believers, brothers and sisters. The beauty of that is we really are brothers and sisters. We forget that sometimes, but we are brothers and sisters. The Bible says that we're brothers and sisters. We're a family of God through Jesus, through what Jesus did. In John's gospel, it says, to as many that received him, Jesus, he gave the right to be called sons of God, daughters of God, children of God. So there's this reality of us being a family of believers, and as a family, he's basically saying we have a new obligation. Just like in your family, you have some family obligations. You have obligations to your family that you don't have to others outside of your family. You have a whole different relationship with those inside the family. Um, we uh, were doing these things, these musical nights called Jesus Jams, where we'd get together with other believers, other worshipers, uh, all around in different churches. We'd have Catholics come, Pentecostals come, we'd have Baptists come, Episcopal. it doesn't matter. If you love Jesus, come. And people were coming and do this in coffee houses in Hollywood, and you know, really great night, explosive, places filled, everyone worshiping God and praising Him. And the beautiful thing about that you saw how pleased God is when we act like a family. I mean, when we act like a family, watch out. Some really cool stuff happens. But you're looking around the room with people maybe you've never seen before. But we have Jesus in common, and it's family. Like Paul, you like brothers and sisters. You can say that without knowing people because they have the same spirit inside them. And it's a beautiful mindset. The early church looked at it that way. Over time, we've got into denominational little weirdness because each denomination kind of hung out by themselves. But I think God's calling the church back to be the church, the real church, to be the brothers and sisters. I meet with some pastors every week and we're starting to see more of that where pastors are coming out to pray together, people who never normally did because they didn't really associate with some different denominations. But it's cool. The Spirit of God is doing a bigger thing when it comes to the family of believers. And he's talking about this family and he's talking about obligations. The first thing that this talks about today that I think we really got to get down is that we have an obligation. As family, we have a family obligation. And the first obligation that we have right here, and if you're a note taker, please write this down, is we got to choose to live by the Spirit. 
That's what he's talking about. We don't have an old obligation. We have this new one because we're in the spirit. It's not the old one. The new obligation, it's an obligation, is to live by the spirit. Now, for some of you, you might say, yeah, I'm very familiar with that. Others, you might say, well, nobody really told me that I got to live by the spirit because historically, churches in Christianity have done some interesting things when it comes to the Holy Spirit, not really knowing what to do with the Holy Spirit, not really knowing how to present it, so really muting down, really throttling back the things of the Holy Spirit, and it's really to your deficit and to mine. Um, God's not calling us to live any other life but life in the Spirit. When you meet Jesus and you say yes to him and you open your heart and let him come in to be the Lord of your life, the Bible says that we are regenerated, born again, many different terms. And it's born again by spirit, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks all about the new person that's created by the Holy Spirit, and yet we don't talk about living by the Spirit. So it's such a disconnect. If you're made new by the Holy Spirit, absolutely you have to be obligated to live by the Spirit. And so the first thing I think to note is to to choose to live by the Spirit. If you don't choose it, it doesn't happen on its own. Every morning, you got to get up and say, I can choose to live in my own strength today, or I can choose to live in the Holy Spirit today. That is a choice every single day. This isn't some automatic thing where you just wake up and the Spirit of God just takes over in your life and does everything. You have to get up and choose. Like Joshua said, choose this day who you will serve. Even though we've said yes to Jesus, many of us in the room, and if you haven't, there'll be an opportunity at the end of the service, we got to wake up and we got to say in the morning, I choose to serve you, mighty God. You're the king of all kings. You're the Lord of all lords. You're all-knowing, all-powerful. You put your spirit in me. I choose, I choose today to serve you. I choose to live by the Holy Spirit. If you don't start your day by choosing to, it's not just going to happen by osmosis. It's a kind of thing where you got to say, God, I want to walk with you. I want to walk in your direction. I want to do the things you have for me. This would be getting up with the obligation of saying, God, I want your will to be done today. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I want. I really do. That's choosing to live in the spirit, to get up, to say in the morning that I want to seek first the kingdom of God. God, what do you have for me? I'm open to any divine appointments, anything you put in my life. I'm wide open for what you have. That's choosing life in the spirit. And I would say it's a choice. If we're talking about the spirit of God and the children of God, that's our first radical point today is to choose life by the spirit. This passage refers to us as sons of God. And as we said, John's gospel said to as many that received Jesus, he gave the right to be called sons of God, daughters of God, children of God. That's a really cool thing. It is a right. It is a right to be called children of God, sons of God, daughters of God. It's a privilege and it's a right. You know, we have five little kids, so we have a lot of other little kids come and knocking on our door. Knock, knock, knock. Can someone come out and play or can we come in and play a, the Wii, you know, video game? Or There's always kids coming and going and our kids go and knock on neighbor's doors too. So this is just kind of common in our neighborhood. But it does get to a point where, okay, Johnny, it's time for you to go home. Uh, you got to go home and have dinner. And you have your own family waiting for you, you know? So we, again, we love these kids. They come in, all kinds of different kids, but it's time for kids to go home sometimes. Now, when it's your son or your daughter, you treat them different. You love everyone, but when it's your own son, when it's your own daughter, you treat them differently. 
like the neighbor's kids, we don't always have for dinner and we don't, you know, tuck them in and read bednight stories to them. Somebody else does that. But with our own kids, oh, we do that. We hug them up and we love them when we pray over them and read them bedtime stories. Why? Because they have the right to be called our sons and daughters. And it's the same with us and God. There's a right and a privilege to be called a son of God, a daughter of God, children of God. It changes the whole relationship. It changes our identity. It changes expectations. It changes everything about it. The way we communicate changes everything. And this passage, when it comes to sons of God, it's, it's not saying that anyone who thinks they're a son of God is a son of God. There is a, a misnomer in our society that we're all, we're all children of God. You've heard this, right? Well, we're all God's children, right? Everybody says that. Oh, we're all God's children. The Bible says that we're not all God's children. The Bible says we're all God's creation to as many that receive Jesus. To them, to them, only them, like the kid knocking at the door, No, you go home with your family. It was nice that you can come and play, but it's time to go have dinner at home. Those aren't the children. The children are the ones who get to come in the house and are loved by the the mother and the father. To those, he gave the right to be called sons of God. And it's not to those who say they are sons and daughters. Verse 14 says this, and and I want you to, if you have your Bible, please underline this in your Bible, because this to me is where it gets really explosive. It's not to those who say they're a son or a daughter. It's to those who are quote-unquote, led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God, the daughters of God, the children of God. Led by the Spirit. In fact, verse 14 says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Could you guys repeat that with me? Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. One more time, it's that important. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. It is huge. It is enormous. But when you talk about being led, there are some in Christianity that go, huh? Have you ever used the word led with somebody? Led by the Spirit, led, and got a weird look back from anybody? Yeah. I don't know why. This is the explosive part where the, where the Bible starts to change lives and, and change worlds and there's transformations and yet some people don't have any idea what you're talking about when you talk about being led by the Holy Spirit and right here, it's right smack in the middle of this explosive chapter. Being led by the Spirit is what determines those who are sons of God, daughters of God, children of God, those who are led by the Spirit. Now, If somebody were to claim that they were a son or a daughter, uh, the only way today in our society that we could verify if they really are a son or a daughter is to take a DNA test. You can take a DNA test and you can verify, yep, the DNA of the father is in the son. The DNA of the father is in the daughter. You can verify through a DNA test. Well, for us today, there's a different DNA test. It's a spiritual DNA test. And if the spirit of the living God is inside the children. That is the test to verify whether you're a son or daughter of the living God. And that's why it's saying the ones who are led by that spirit, the spirit on the inside, the ones who are led, those are my children. It's like God in some beautiful way putting a GPS, but not a device, his Holy Spirit inside all of his children so the children will always know who the father is and which way the father's calling them to to, to walk. I mean, Jesus, you've got to realize when the apostles were with Jesus, they're like, oh, Jesus, please don't leave. 
you know, you've done the miraculous, you've raised the dead, you've done all these cool things, please don't leave us as orphans. Jesus is like, guys, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going home to the Father. But here's the cool part. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to direct you. He's going to give you counsel. He's the counselor. He's going to do all these cool things. He'll show you what to say. He'll show you where to go. The apostles knew that. They waited in the upper room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. But as the story goes on, people forget about this radical gift of God, of the Holy Spirit indwelling people and what he actually does. And this says that if we're led by the Spirit, we are children of God, we are sons of God, the DNA of the Father spiritually, the Holy Spirit, that's in him is in us. That's the proof, that's the evidence. And so our second point this morning when it comes to being children of God is we choose, we choose to be led by the Spirit. That is the biggest distinctive, according to this passage, for who's a son and daughter of God and who's not, is those who are led by the Holy Spirit. Now, led in the Greek, it means to show the way or to guide. That's what it means, to show the way or to guide. This is cool because this is the supernatural part of the living God inside of his people. It's to sense an inner prompting, a prompting of the Holy Spirit, where you're sensing a nudge, so to speak, a direction from the inside out. It's literally God reminding you on the inside instead of on the outside. This is a promise for the people of God. This is a reality of the kingdom. It's to get an internal sense of God's direction. And really the question is, are we sensitive to that? Or is that foreign to us? This should not be foreign to us. To be led by the Spirit and to sense His direction. That's why the Bible's saying over and over again, those who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, let them listen. Why do you think God's saying that? It's like, are you sensitive at all to what I'm trying to tell you? And we have to be sensitive to what the Spirit is saying what the Spirit wants to do. The Bible says the Spirit knows all things and searches all things. Spirit knows more about ourselves than we do. The Spirit knows more about the future in every kind of dynamic of every kind of direction that could happen than we ever will. He's the all-knowing God. Yet God in His beautiful love and mercy put His Spirit inside believers and yet some people realize the Spirit's there to guarantee my salvation that's to come, and they stop right there. Instead of saying, proof of being a son and daughter is being led by the Holy Spirit of God. It is being led, sensing direction. How is he nudging? What is he saying? What's he trying to do on the inside so it can happen on the outside? This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful one, and that's why we gotta choose to be led by the Spirit. We can wake up in the morning with a plan and know what we're doing, And you can wake up and be a man on a mission or a woman on a mission instead of, Holy Spirit, I choose to live by the Spirit today. Lead me. Lead me. I'm listening. I don't have it all down and I might have some busy stuff going on, but lead me. I'm listening. I want to hear your voice. Show me. Give me a little direction, prompting, nudging. Give me some internal direction and I will do it. Now, if that's your heart's condition, God will use you mightily. He will do great things through you, beautiful things through you, yet some are not open to that. Some are on their mission. They got their agenda. God bless my stuff. I'm telling you guys, this is why revivals start. Revivals start over this, over being led by the Spirit on the inside and a new understanding of the kingdom of God, of what God's doing inside of hearts of people, and that gets exciting. You know, the passage in the gospel of Jesus when he just started this public ministry... 
If you remember the story, he went down to the Jordan River, was baptized by John the Baptist. After, and it said the Spirit came upon him, descended in the form of a dove. It says after that, immediately, he was led by the Holy Spirit out to the desert. Immediately. Holy Spirit's like, Jesus, this way. Now, he's the Son of God, yes, but he was led by the Spirit. Out to the desert. He was led by the Spirit. When he goes out to the desert, Satan comes, personally, and tries to mess with him any way he can. And so Satan, if you can almost picture it like a baseball game, he's up on the pitcher's mound, and he's just whipping up the nastiest thing he can throw at Jesus. He's like, oh, I'm going to mess him up. And he puts this 200-mile-an-hour slime ball together, okay, against Jesus, and just rifles it right at Jesus. Jesus, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit. What does he use? He uses the Word of God. The Word of God. Crack! Right out of the park. Gone. Devil's mad. Comes up with another one. Let me throw on. This one's going to be a slider, kind of curveball, 250 mile an hour, and he just rifles it at Jesus. The best he has, Jesus, led by the Spirit, Word of God, crack! Right out of the park. Devil's steaming mad. He does his last one. He, everything he has, he puts behind this one, trying to get Jesus to strike out. And he just rifles it in there, and Jesus, filled with the Spirit, Word of God, crack! Right out of the park. Resist the devil, and he will flee. And it said, left him for a more opportune time. This is not working. Because anyone led by the Spirit using the Word of God, you can't beat them. You realize that? You can't beat anyone led by the Spirit using the Word of God. You can't. There's, there's no victory there. The devil knows that. He's like, I'm out of here. That's it. Waited for some other time. The point being this, Jesus was led by the Spirit and he went into this season of victory. I mean, we're talking about the story today, just knocking him out of the park when it even comes to the devil. There's another story in the book of Acts, Philip, the evangelist, book of Acts. He's going, God, I want to live by the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. Show me what to do. Wakes up just like we do. Spirit of God goes, hey, Philip, you know that little desert road leaving Jerusalem going down south? Why don't you head that way? I'll show you what to do when you get there. Just... Just be led. Don't ask questions. Just go. So Philip doesn't go, well, prove it or why should I? He doesn't do any of that. He just says, absolutely, he's led by the Spirit. As he's going down this way, he sees an Ethiopian who's coming from northern Africa who comes to Jerusalem to worship, who's in his chariot on the way home. And as he's walking down the road, he's like, would you look what God just brought me? He told me to come down this road. Would you look at this? Here's a guy going back to Africa, trying to read a scroll that he bought, and he doesn't understand what it means, but he's willing. He's seeking God. He's learning. And Philip's like, hey, uh, buddy, do you know what you're reading there? No, I don't. I wish somebody could show me. Well, wouldn't you know it? God had me come down your road today, so let me jump up there with you. He jumps up in the chariot, tells him what the passage in Isaiah means. The guy turns around, accepts Messiah, Ends up stopping the chariot, pulling over, getting baptized. Church history shows this guy went back to Ethiopia and helped to change a nation because of his faith in Christ. Many historians will point back that movement to a movement. Why? Because people are led by the Spirit. And this is where revivals start. First, they start in your heart and mine, and then they affect other cities and towns and everything else. It's really cool stuff. But many miss out on this being led by the Spirit. They try harder, and they try harder but they don't understand what it means to be led. And the unfortunate thing about that is when people aren't led by the Spirit, I don't really know if they know their helper. The Holy Spirit's the helper. 
I don't think they're getting all the help that they should be getting from the helper because they're really not open to the helper. I don't know if they're getting all the comfort from the comforter that they should be getting because they're not really open to the comforter. And that's really short-sighted. Instead, I think they look for help in other things and they look for comfort in other things. But guys, there's so much help and comfort that cannot come from man, that can only come from God. It can only come from God. And so when we're led and we're open to the helper and the comforter and the fullness of his ministry, there's a whole other dimension of the Christian life to be lived because it's in the word and it's life in the spirit and it's what God has for his church. And nowhere in scripture does it say, by the way, this is going to die with the apostles. Nowhere in scripture does it say, by the way, it's over for the rest of you. (laughs) Died with the, nowhere, nowhere. But some have reeled it in so tight when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit and his present day ministry, that they don't even have room for people to be led by the Spirit. And that really is is unfortunate. That's short-sighted. And I think that's ripping off God, really. It's ripping off the fullness of his ministry. And it's also ripping off his people because God wants us to represent him well. And how can we do that if we're not really living by the Spirit? How can we do that if we're not really led by the Spirit? We really can't. We're just a bunch of folks with a theology. That's what we are. Or, or, we're people changed on the inside from the resurrected Jesus with his spirit in us, allowing his spirit to lead us and to guide us and to show us things and transform worlds around us. That's what it's all about. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. It's the spirit in us that helps us understand the things that God has even given us. Some miss out on that. Uh, This moves on in verse 15, and it says, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He talks about fear. And the reason he talks about fear in this, um, Paul knows and God knows that fear, it paralyzes people. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where something happens and you're afraid for a second, no matter what it is, or when you're a kid or whatever, it kind of paralyzes people. The devil knows it paralyzes people. So the devil likes people to be afraid. Uh, What he's saying right here is he knows that fear holds people back and he knows there's a spirit behind it. And he's saying that spirit of fear, God didn't give you that spirit of fear. He gave you a power, love, and a sound mind. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. And it's saying again right here, for you didn't receive a spirit from God that makes you afraid. That's not from God. There is a spirit, but it's not from God. That's what he's saying. He says, but you received a different spirit. We received the spirit of sonship, the spirit of daughtership. It's literally a spirit from God. We received the spirit of sonship and daughtership. And the only way we can be a son or a daughter in this context here is by having a heavenly father. Now, when we talk about the father, already in the room, just the word father, the pendulum swings when it comes to our experiences with fatherhood. Um, I've had the privilege of meeting some of your fathers uh, in the room, and some of you have amazing fathers. I I can say that going, wow, it would be so amazing to be raised with the kind of father that some of you had who was not only knew the Lord, but maybe mature in the Lord and raised you and loved you, and that's great. But also the pendulum swings to where some had great experiences with fathers, pretty good ones, okay ones, fair ones, 
not so good ones, terrible ones, pendulum swings. And that's what's hard about presenting the love of the Father to some folks is because we see through those glasses of pre-understanding, whatever our experience was, those are the glasses we put on. It's just where we're from. It's where we used to be. And we tend to look at the world, even we look at Scripture sometimes with the rose-colored glasses on. And when we talk about the Father, some in the room have already a, yeah, God, I'm good with God, I'm good with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. But when you talk about Father, hmm, that's why you almost have to erase what you know about a, a father, really. Because there's no father who can compare to the love of the Heavenly Father. There's not any. And some have done a, a good job trying to support who the Heavenly Father is. And others have done some damage to his identity in that area. But it's not even close. But by this spirit of sonship, check this out. By the spirit of sonship that he gives us, the all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful, always-present, Sovereign God of the universe becomes daddy. He becomes daddy. No other religion in the world can present God as daddy because no other religion in the world can make him daddy. But through what Jesus did, the son, how we get to be sons and daughters of God, think of it, the all-knowing, the one who can speak the universe into existence, the one who can say, let there be light, boom, and there's light. That God becomes daddy to you and me. That's radical, church. That changes things. It changes who we are in relation. It changes how we communicate. It changes how we relate. Remember I said the little kids coming to the door, going, cool, it's time to go home now? It changes it. It's come on in. Come on in. Because we're treated completely different. If Jesus is your Lord, there's a spirit of sonship and a spirit of daughtership that's given to you, and that by this same spirit, he becomes daddy. The word is Abba, Abba. Interesting thing about Abba, I was in Israel years back, and it was near the wailing wall, and I was walking, you know, towards the wailing wall, and all of a sudden, I heard some little uh, Hebrew kid go, Abba, 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 and I'm like, cool, the kid's quoting Romans, you know, it was what I, I, that was cool, man, that's in Romans, you know, that's what I thought, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, no. He's yelling out, Daddy, Daddy. He's not saying, Father, Father, head of the household. No, he's not yelling. He's like, Daddy, 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 Daddy. He's yelling out. And what had happened is the the father was going with some other kids, and they got further down the road. I guess this little guy was looking around at stuff. It's Jerusalem. It's pretty cool. He's looking around, and he realized, oh, no, Daddy's way up there. And he's like, Daddy, Daddy. And the daddy turned around and dropped to a knee and, and, and grabbed the little guy. I thought he was quoting Romans. He's yelling out, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. The cool thing is that's the first word that any little Hebrew kid's going to learn. Daddy. That's simple. It's a beautiful word. And again, it changes. He's still the all-knowing, all-powerful, sovereign creator of the universe. But he becomes daddy through the spirit of sonship and daughtership. If that's not phenomenal, I don't know what is. It changes things, guys. It changes the relationship completely. And it says that by this spirit, we cry, daddy. The cry word means a shriek, like a little kid goes, daddy, 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 daddy. You know, and you're like, whoa, whoa, it's a little loud. You know, that kind of thing, that excited kind of thing? That, by that same spirit, we can cry out with the spirit in you, go, daddy, I love you. Daddy, I have a need. You can do that because his spirit in you allows for that because of what Jesus did. He changed the relationship. And no other religion in the world can offer the creator as daddy because he wants to be daddy to 
through his redeemed children. This is a beautiful snapshot. So we should cry out, Daddy. Uh, in the movie The Apostle, if any of you guys have seen that, there's a scene where this guy, he's, a, he's an evangelist, and like King David, he's made some big mistakes, and he's done some great things too, and he's kind of in the same boat as David. He messes up in his life, but he's in the upper room in his house, and he's yelling out. It's a summer night, windows are open, neighbors can hear him. He's like, Daddy, I've always called you Daddy, and you've always called me Sonny. And he's yelling at the top of his life, just like David does in the Psalms. If you read what David says in the Psalms, you're like, dude, you're just pouring it all out there, you know? That's what he's doing, just bearing his heart to God. And I go, you know, that's actually cool. That is really cool that a full-grown adult can yell out to daddy whatever's going on in his heart, unfiltered, unchecked, transparent. And David says, search me, O God, know my heart. It's like putting it on the altar. It's like, you know everything anyway, let me just admit it. Rather than go, Heavenly Father, the appropriate prayer right now would be, no, Daddy, (laughs) I love you, Daddy. I know you love me, Daddy. Do you see what's going on? I I really need you, Daddy. Just beautiful, sincere, transparent. That's what the word is telling us here. Um, Isaiah 49, 16 says that God has engraved you in the palm of his hand. 2 Corinthians 6, 18, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 1 John 3, 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So I don't know how close you are to the Father. I don't know how deep your relationship with the Father is, but it can get deeper. It can get closer. Um, The last thing I want to share, in fact, maybe if the worship team comes up, this is important too. You might want to underline this in your Bible, guys. Verse 16, it says, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. Another enormous part of the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. If you have a King Jimmy version this morning, uh, it says the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. This is important. Testify. To testify is to get up. You think of a courtroom scene, someone's going to come up and testify on your behalf. Testify and speak up on behalf of the person you're testifying for. This is saying the Holy Spirit inside testifies for us. The Holy Spirit bears witness. It's the same thing to be a witness as to testify. Bears witness with us. So basically what it's saying right here is the Spirit of God doing things on the inside, showing us things, giving us revelation, speaking, literally speaking, to your spirit. It says the Holy Spirit testifies with us, with our spirit. Not at you. Not at you, with you. The Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Another enormous component of the kingdom that some don't get and maybe never heard, and it's really unfortunate, it's to get up and speak to your spirit. God's spirit speaking with your spirit, saying, psst, trying to show you. Do you realize this is the right way to go? And for your spirit to say, yes, Holy Spirit, I do. That's the Spirit of God bearing witness, testifying with your spirit, literally speaking. It's important because it's the way He leads us. So we not only choose to live by the Spirit, we not only choose to be led by the Spirit, but the last two are this. We commit to listening to the Holy Spirit. It's our third point. Listening, listening. He's testifying. He's bearing witness. We commit to listening to the Holy Spirit. And number four, we commit to learning from the Holy Spirit. If He's speaking... If he's testifying, if he's bearing witness, we have to listen and learn to what the Spirit of God is saying. You know, sometimes you ask folks, you know, do you bear witness with that? Do you bear witness with this or that? 
They'll look at you like, you know, Scooby-Doo? Huh? You know, Scooby-Doo used to do that? Like what? Huh? It's in the Bible. Bear witness. Do you bear witness? Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, showing you the same thing? It'll never be absent from the Word. It'll never deviate from the Word. The Spirit of God wrote the Word of God. So what He testifies and bears witness will never be absent of that. That's why we need to know the Word so we can check things and test things. But the reality is, the Spirit of God is speaking. I don't know what the Spirit of God is speaking to you today. I don't know what He's speaking to you this week. But my prayer is that we'd be people who have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying. And we wouldn't in our faith exist, guys. We wouldn't exist and get by week to week and and trudge through, but we'd live the abundant life. We would live life in the Spirit that we would allow passages like this to create a revival in our own heart to where we wake up in the morning and say, living God, you are the living God. I want to live by your Spirit. I'm choosing today to live by your Spirit. I want to be led by your Spirit. I want to listen and learn from your Spirit. Of course, it'll never deviate from your Word, but God, you have so much more than what we can ask or imagine. I want to get in on the fullness of the kingdom. You guys want to get in on the fullness of the kingdom this morning? Amen. This is where it begins. You cannot and you will not get in on the fullness of God's kingdom if you try to live life without the Holy Spirit. It can't be done. It won't be done. It wasn't designed that way. It was designed to be lived fully in the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to close in prayer right now. And I would just ask you guys, I don't know where you fall in that area, uh, but personally right now, ask God to do a deeper work in this area of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to live by your Spirit. We want to be known as a community of the Holy Spirit, Lord. People who have you in common, Jesus. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com.